Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is our own pianist in residence, Sam Page. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And Sam was getting down. I mean, he was dancing. He was just moving it. He was grooving it. He was psyched. Good to see you, my friend. How are you doing today? Oh, not bad at all. How are you? I'm doing very well, very, very well. Yeah, but um, you, I, I haven't seen you move that much since you became a co-host. It's like you, you're just on today, right? I suppose so, yeah. You certainly are, yeah. That's a good thing. And we have a special guest once again joining us. This is Kelly Swanson, and Kelly is all about the story-driven life. Now, Sam will tell you, we love stories around here. So you're on the right show at the right time. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm already happy. The music, the singing, the faces, and I can already feel the energy coming through my computer. So, hey, I'm already happy. It's already working. Well, our job is done. We'll see you all next time. You're on LOA today. <laughs> well, this is great. Love it. And, and uh, when, when I first was uh, bringing you on to the show here, we were chatting before and we were comparing notes and so forth. And I, I was asking you what you have going on. You have a book that's out and so forth. We'll talk about that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, though, and, and you've emphasized that here, both here and in your profile, um, you're into service. You're into helping other people. I, I, I can tell that's a big deal why is that such a big deal for you because that's actually how i have to frame it so i don't get nervous about what i'm doing oh and think, like like i just did a theater show and i was wigging out you know before i hit the stage and what are they going to think and are they going to clap and will they laugh in all the right places <laughs> and will they like me and me 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 and so what I have to do to calm myself down and go, uh, Kelly, it's okay. It's not about how how good you are or how what you look like. And if you're skinny enough and if you're pretty enough and if you're young enough, you're serving. And if you look at it from the eyes of service, then you don't need to be nervous because you're just sharing the gifts that you have and and letting them receive that. I don't say it in a good enough way, but but I know some people think when you say, oh, I'm here to serve. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm saying that so that I can take the pressure off me thinking that this has to be about me. It's not. That's a good policy, actually. I like it that. It works. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's a, a smart thing to do, and and it, anything you can do to take the pressure off is the right thing to do. In fact, this is a theme that has been kind of constant over the last few weeks, talking about how we beat ourselves up. I mean, we're just really cruel to ourselves. One of the favorite lines I've started to adopt that I picked up from one of my co-hosts was, "If we treated our best friends the way we treat ourselves, we wouldn't have any best friends." No. No, it's true. And sometimes I think a lot of times when I talk to people about being compassionate and treating yourself the same way you would treat anybody else, I'll often start with saying, let's don't even look at you. Let's go look at somebody else. What do they deserve? What mm -hmm. uh, it, it kind of gets them in the frame of, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't treat, you know, my neighbor that way or my friend that way. We, I have a son and uh, hopefully he'll stay quiet. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Hint, hint. I know, right? Yeah, the German <laughs> Shepherd wandering the house waiting to find out I'm on a podcast. But, but I have a son, and he used to swim. And uh, I, I, I would tell people, you know, when when my son gets out of the pool, 
after swimming, the first thing we say to him is not, why didn't you swim faster? You should have done this. Why didn't you get first? And people go, oh, no, you would never, you don't do that to your son. And I'm like, well, then why are you doing it to yourself? It's easier to see when we look at somebody else it than, is. than it is when we look at how we treat ourselves. But and you're we, right. We, and, we beat ourselves up. And when we look at somebody else, it becomes harder to justify what we're doing to ourselves. Right, right. Because, God, we're rough on our – oh, I, I, I see it a lot. I Lately, I've been uh, experimenting with just going around to Facebook groups, finding all kinds of topics and looking for people posting, I got a problem with this, help me out with that, all that kind of thing. And that theme plays out more than anything else I've seen. Oh, it's either everything is wrong with my partner or everything is wrong with me. Right. And it's not, it's, it, it's, it's even the people you wouldn't expect. I, I'm a mm. motivational speaker for gosh sakes. And I struggle <laughs> with it. People are like, oh, you're not scared of anything. I'm like, I'm scared every time I get up on that stage. And it, mm. Walt, it used to make me feel like a fraud. Like I have no right to make somebody feel good about themselves if I haven't worked through this. And then I mm. went, wait, no. No, we're always working through this. Yeah. And it makes me the exact person who's going to understand because I struggled with it just before I got up here. But I go to businesses and it's people at the top. I shouldn't say at the top. I don't like that word. But it's it's people in positions of leadership and it's people that from the outside look sparkly and shiny and perfect. <laughs> and on the inside, you know, if you haven't learned how to do that. I didn't grow up learning, Walt, how to work on myself. I, I didn't grow up. Well, they don't give us a class. No, they don't give you a class. And our parents sure didn't do it. Nope. It was like, man up, Nancy, shove your feelings down and move on. You felt bad if you cried or wallowed or, uh, you know, told everybody you're not okay. I'm like, I can't tell everybody I'm not okay. I don't need, I don't need their, their sympathy. You know, it's that kind of a thing. And Anyway, but but we're seeing a beautiful thing happen now because I'm seeing more people take the face off. Yes. And get on and, and get on social media and say, I'm not okay. And then receive the love from strangers. I, I do think that's a beautiful thing to see is more people are admitting they're not okay. I, I think it, I'm also excited whenever I see somebody get real regardless of what it is. I mean, I like it when they're getting real about what they ex get excited about. We, we, we're just as good at hiding what we're excited about as we are about you know, what we're feeling miserable about. You are exactly right. I talk to a lot of people who sell or in sales or they're entrepreneurs or they have this beautiful gift they want to give to the world and they're terrified sure. to tell you about it. They're terrified to tell you they're good at it. I mean, what is it that makes us beat ourselves up and then be afraid to say what, what we have that's great? And that's another reason why I look at it in terms of service, not selling because then I don't have to feel that sense of fear. Um, but people have great things, and they're afraid to tell you about it. Well, not all of them. No, no. There are some people who have absolutely no fear whatsoever, or at least they demonstrate having no fear. I, I, right? I try. I try. They sometimes are on the show as guests, and I'll try to you know, get beneath the surface. They never let me in. But, yeah. you know, occasionally you, occasionally you can kind of feel it out a little bit, but that's about as far as you can go with them. But, yeah, I, I actually prefer the people who are – I don't think of people as broken. I think of them as vulnerable. I think of people as, you know, I, I'm revealing who my real side is, whatever I'm feeling, good, bad, or indifferent. And and I love that part. That's that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing the podcast because, first of all, I get to meet people like that. And second of all, when I do meet them, their perspective is always going to be different from mine, and I learn from it. 
And I think that's what happens with all of us. I think that's why people listen to this and other podcasts, because we're connecting through uh, through a podcast to people who are v- revealing who they really are. And we like that. Yeah. We like it because of, of a couple of reasons. First, because it's real. And second of all, as you listen to the same show over and over again, you see the growth of the person who you're listening to. I, I get so many messages from listeners saying exactly that. I've been loving watching how you've been growing over the last year or two. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that message, which, by the way, feels really good. Thank you, listeners. I appreciate the message. <laughs> and it says you've created a community that is authentic and that yes. you're, we're, people are connecting through that humanity. When I became a speaker and even when I'm doing a theater show, which is pretty new for me, mm. I've done things that people might have said, you're going to do what? You're going to tell that story? You're going to talk about your chub rub and your thighs rubbing together when you walk? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, there's that feeling of, especially in the speaking world, mm. that feeling of you're going to go. I, I, I wasn't, I came into this not your picture, perfect, polished, commercial package. I said, I'm not going to do that. Congratulations. I'm going to come to them and I'm going to say, this is me and I'm going to wear this and I'm not going to look the part. And, you know, I speak about authenticity and, you know, I've got on fake eyelashes. And <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? It's the way I want to, you know, bring myself to the world. And I'm going to tell you what, well, it was, I realized that was my secret weapon as a speaker. Mm-hmm. It is the secret weapon on stage. If you want to change lives and make people feel and connect and engage emotionally, which is really where just true power is, it's not in your perfection. It's in I your per- imperfection. We all are. You're right. Broken's not the right word because we're all, we're all a story. We're, yeah. we're all the sum of everything we've been through. But wow, did that, I used to look around at others in this world and go, oh my gosh, I don't fit this industry. I'm too weird. I'm too loud. I'm, you know, I look like somebody dropped a drag queen in a library. I mean, this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't compute. And I would beat myself up. I promise I'll shut up in a minute. I would beat myself <laughs> up for that. And then I realized I saw how people reacted. Mm-hmm. They would get this permission when we are our true selves. Uh, the gunk aside, there's some parts of us we don't need to be bringing out. Let me make that clear. Sure. You know, and no nudity. I don't need to bring it all. But when we bring that side of ourselves out and show the world, yeah, I don't have it together. Yeah, I'm afraid just like you are. Yeah, my house is so messy. I only clean the parts of my house people see from the street. <laughs> they just, and I'm sure you've seen it on your show. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Arms are lowered. My husband said just today, he said, Kelly, I've watched men in the back of your audiences who've had their arms crossed and who are just, re- you know, not going to receive it. And he said, and then you tell a joke or you laugh or you talk about your son, your teenage son, BM, if we call him BM, it's short for bare minimum. Um, <laughs> and I hope he can't hear me. <laughs> That's probably not very positive. He says, and I watch their arms lower. And he said, you just def- I don't know if diffuse is the right word, disarm them. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just lowers their arms and it makes them feel safe. I think what you do is you, you give them permission to relax. Yeah. Yeah. And be who they are yeah. and realize they're not going to be judged and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so much better than she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't know if you were watching. Sam was like 
going ballistic with his excitement as he was listening to what you were talking about. And I got to ask you, Sam, when you when you were listening to that, what what was going through your mind? Because your body was saying, yeah! A lot of that resonates with me because I think, yeah, I think authenticity is important. And I think people, when you're imperfect, like people have insecurities that they often don't recognize or admit to. So when you have, when you admit to being imperfect in any way, I think that's relatable to a lot of people in a way that they themselves not have thought of in the first place. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, very, very true. I Which is that. why I love story, because story opens people up to seeing themselves in you. And when I hear someone's story and I hear the emotion, we, I'm not going to get too geeky about story, but when we hear the emotion and we find that emotion that we share, then I see you on stage and you're not somebody telling me what to do anymore. You're somebody who's sharing your story and suddenly I identify yes. with your pain and your emotion and I recognize it. And it's amazing because you don't have to have gone through the same thing as me for me to identify and recognize. And I, and that's why I say everybody's story is important and it matters. And it's not about the best because every story we put out there and every time we put ourselves out there into this world, we are one more chance for someone to identify with us and go there. They see me, they get, they get me. I am, I am normal. This is okay. They share this just like me. I love that. Yeah. What, and there's also, I mean, you, you very eloquently pointed out how we connect with the pain that other people experience. Um, but we also connect with other things. We connect with the joy that other people experience. I've been really noticing that in particular lately. Um, I, I'm a, a, in sports, I'm a New York Yankees fan, so I get Yankees news all the time. And I saw a story today that just, oh, it, I mean, it just made me flip with how exciting it was. It was a story of a kid who... Uh, is a very shy kid, but he's a Yankees fan. He likes one particular player, DJ LeMahieu. And he went to spring training with his parents because his goal this year was to get some signed baseball cards from his favorite players, including from DJ, who, by the way, also is a very shy person. So this is really interesting, a shy fan trying to get an autograph from a shy player. You know, very interesting dynamic right there. Well, anyway... They go through the, the part where, where he gets to the ballpark and, and he's, he's learning how to open up to kind of get the attention of the players. And DJ, come over here. You can hardly believe he said that, but he said it. DJ comes over, signs, you know, all these good things happen. And then as they're leaving the ballpark, he finds that his autograph book is missing. And he can't find it and his parents can't find it. And the word gets out and other fans are trying to find it too. Everybody's trying to find the autograph book. They don't find it. And he's heartbroken. And after they get home, his parents post something about it on social media. It goes viral. And people all around the country start sending him autographs they've collected over the years, sharing with him the things that, that were important to him in his sports world. And he, he started getting this collection of stuff that was coming in in the mail every day. He was having to write thank you notes all the time. His hand was cramping up from all the thank you notes he had to write. And then the coup de, coup de grace of the whole thing was when he got – a, a package from, well, he got two great things. First, he, he got a note from somebody saying, um, I know DJ LeMayhew's mother-in-law. I'll try to get you his autograph that way. And then there was also another package that came through. This came from a gentleman in Florida who was in his 60s. When he was a kid, he was an active swimmer. And one day he got caught in a shark attack. 
He was almost killed. Doctors saved his life. His one foot never really totally recovered, but he, he kept all of his limbs. Um, and one of the stories that happened, this was in 1968. This was toward the end of Mickey Mantle's career. It was actually the last year of his career. And Mickey and a few others heard about the story, and they autographed a baseball and sent it to this guy, along with some other gift. I can't remember what it was. And he treasured it all his life. He said he'd been keeping it all his life. He says, you know what? It's time to pass it along. I'm passing it along now to Elijah. So he sends this to Elijah. And then later on, Elijah also gets another mail from the person who said that she knows the mother-in-law of DJ, and it is a signed jersey and a baseball sent by DJ LeMahieu to him. Now, you hear a story like that, and I was just, I just read that one today, and it was a nice, long story on ESPN. And ESPN, you don't get stories like that, so when you get that one, you treasure it. And, and I read it, and I read it, and I said, whoa, this is just making my day. And you just made everybody's day who's listening, and well done for the one with the big microphone. Give us a happy story. You know, well done. You know, I, I just I applaud them. Sometimes I think, come on, y'all. There's a lot of good in the world. These stories are out there. Let's yeah. share these just as much as we share the other ones. But yeah, that I love that story. That's why I watch before I go to bed. I get on social media and watch puppies and babies. <laughs> I don't know what. And people watching their soldier family members come home and surprise mm. them. And it just... I guess whatever it does with the endorphins or what, but you're exactly right. When I I take on that same joy they have, and I'm laughing. I don't even know these people, right? And I'm just looking at their children and their puppies and their dogs and in their houses and just having the best time. Well, what I think is happening is we are realizing that their feelings are our feelings. Yeah. That what they're experiencing, that's how we would experience it. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're we're actually living vicariously. Right. We're living vicariously through their story. We're, we're riding their roller coaster. We're, we're enduring their sadness. We're celebrating their triumphs. We're, we're experiencing the whole thing with them. And, and that, that's, that is a response that humans will give for the rest of time, I believe. I don't think that will ever change. I think that's why stories have been around forever. Um, as a way to teach and as a way to inspire and to motivate. Sometimes I get frustrated. Uh, because people will minimize in the speaking world, you know, stories. Oh, I'll, oh, oh, she's just a storyteller. Or, oh, let's just tell a little story at the end. Right. And I, I get frustrated because I, 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 I know the same thing you know, and that is that stories are so extremely powerful. They do the work. Your points, your data, your information, it brings it home. But that can't influence people like story can. And you're right, Walt, when you tell a story – when I step into your story, I go on this journey. It's like you have on virtual reality glasses, and I get to take it with you. I, I have an example of when BM was younger, and we took him to a, I took him to a movie, and I don't even remember the name of the movie. I was just there for the popcorn. My eyes, <laughs> you know, I was like, but <laughs> he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, "Mom, I'm the kid in the red shirt." Oh. And I started watching the movie and paying attention. Now I'm thinking, okay, he's identifying with the kid in the red. I looked, the red kid in the red shirt had been picked on, bullied, had no friends. And I thought, oh gosh, that was me as a kid. And here is my son. How, How did I, I did not know this was how he was identifying. And he said, that's me. So I watched the movie with my son and I'm watching his face the whole time. And if, and you know, the moment and all the good, if they're done right, 
you know, the bully gets it, you know, and there's yeah, that right. slow 80s slow clap movement where we're like, yay, and the kid wins and he's got friends. And I'm looking at my son's face Aww. and it is lit up mm-hmm. and he is experiencing victory wow. that he hasn't experienced in his own life. But because he got to go into this journey where stories are so powerful, he stands in his and yours at the same time. He got to experience a joy he has not felt yet. And that has an impact, even though he leaves the theater and it's over and he's back in his own life. That that's the power that we have with our stories. That that as a motivational speaker, stand on stages and what y'all are doing here on this show is when you share that story, your listener who hasn't been there yet can feel themselves in that moment and take on. I don't know how to put words to it, but take on in a way that victory, feel it for themselves. I'm sure you do that a lot with your law of attraction work that I don't really know a, a whole only enough to be dangerous. I mean, that's kind of what visualizing and seeing yourself already owning what you're going to have in the here and now, right? Yeah, Am I sure. saying it right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Itch. Yeah. Well, and, and you also were saying it right when you were describing how we all respond to it. That That's, it, there is universal response, which is interesting because it, it's not like every event or every experience has a one emotion to it, that no. everybody has to experience that emotion. That's not what we're saying at all. In fact, people can have very different emotional responses to the same event, to the same experience. But right. What, and I, what, <clears throat> I'll get people say that they got something out of that story. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's not even <laughs> that's not even what I said. Yeah. Or that's not even what I went through because something magical happens in the middle. I heard somebody say there are only a set number of emotions. And so I'm wondering if when they're hearing a story and they're and again, you can hear lonely, frustrated. I don't didn't feel like I belonged. And while that's one emotion, it spins off. I myself can find 10 different times I felt that. So our audience then sort of spins off onto the, their own journey. And I still, I already said it, but I'll say it again. As the storyteller geek, we don't connect on the plot of your story. It's not what happened to you where we get into our deepest connection. It's when you tell me how it made you feel. And so I always say, don't forget that, that you don't have to lay it all out there and be all emotional if that's not you, but don't forget to tell me how it made you feel in all this, because that's where you're going to open my heart into what, where I had that same feeling. And by the way, there's a really cool little exercise you can play off of this too, which is, I mean, like you say, tell me how you feel, but if you want to take it to the next level, tell me how you decided to feel. (gasps) The reason I say that is we tend to think about that. That's why I made reference to the fact that uh, there's not one single emotion for any given event. We all have the ability to decide what our emotional response is going to be to anything, but we forget about that. And I think it really serves us to remind ourselves we can choose how we're going to respond. I don't care what the thing is. We can choose. And how cool it is when we are present enough in the moment that we can say, you know what, I might have responded in a way that I wasn't real happy about this, but I'm finding a way I'm going to respond to it that's happy right now because that's the way I really can feel right now. That's somebody who is learning how to be what we call a conscious creator here on the show, somebody who is learning to take control of their responses in any given situation and in so doing end up with a much, much more beautiful life. 
May I ask you a question about that? Yeah, sure. Because I'm learning to do that myself. Mm-hmm. I am much further behind, but I'm no, aware. No, you're not. I trust oh, you. Oh, oh, trust me, okay. you are not. You are not behind. Oh, trust me. Okay. <laughs> um, here's what I'm just going to say it bluntly. To what degree? I shouldn't use the word "am I allowed," but you can change my question for me. Am I allowed to have the feeling before I spin it? Um, I heard somebody say recently, I don't have those feelings anymore because everything to me goes to joy. And there was a piece of me, I get what he's saying. I get the process of I'm going to choose to feel this, not this. But And I wondered to myself, and I'm asking you as, as an expert or more knowledgeable about this, do, is there a space for us to experience the negative emotion, the pain attached, the, the, is there a beauty and a gift in having that before? What do you have to say? I'm not even sure what my question is. Well, yeah, I hear two or three questions in there and okay. let's address all of them. I think they're all, all right. valid questions. Um, in, in terms of the question you started to ask and you didn't quite finish the statement, how far are you allowed to go? The answer is how far would you like to go? That's how far you're allowed to go. You go wherever you want to go. There are no limits. Let me ask you something to that because I come, I have a history or a pattern of people who say, push it down and don't feel it. Do you see where I'm coming from? I don't want to do that. And that's kind of, I guess, where I'm coming from is a wait a minute. If I'm not careful, I will say I'm doing that and what I'm really doing. Is but pushing be, it down and not facing it. But bear in mind what, what, what's really happening there is mm-hmm. you are by, by pushing it down, by repressing it, whatever phrase you want to use, what you're really doing is saying, bring it back. I want more of it. Okay. Because and that's I'm what happens, right? That. Be, be, because yeah. when, when, when you don't let it all out, that's what happens. It keeps recurring, right? It festers. I it don't festers. know. How, it, it does something bad. I know that. It just well, it keeps... festers. And, and especially okay. if it's a negative feeling, you keep feeling it over and over again. It just keeps coming back to you and you keep thinking about it. And it keeps occurring. And it keeps happening yeah. over and over. But when you allow yourself to feel it, it dissipates. Right. Right. So there's a piece of me that's like, I'm not going to man up Nancy that quickly. <laughs> that's a bad phrase. But I'm going I'm to be aware that I'm having this feeling. Yeah. Be aware of how, how you're having the feeling and, and be aware that you get to choose it. You asked about negative feelings. There, there are two thoughts I have about that. First, we came into a world and we can debate whether or not we have knowledge before we come into this world. Some people say no. I've come to the conclusion that, yeah, we actually do know what we're getting into before we get here. Sometimes I wonder why we got here, but nevertheless, we, we made the choice for whatever reason. So we knew what we were getting into. And what we were getting into is often called the world of contrast or polarity. We have highs, we have lows. We have happy stuff, we have sad stuff. It's all part of the same package. So why would we want to just give up on half the package? I mean, it doesn't mean that we have to live in the negative. See, I th- that's what I think is so interesting about the question. On the one hand, we talk about, well, are we allowed to feel the negative emotions? But on the other hand, there are people who want to live their entire life in the, in the negative emotions and then complain about it. And, I mean, and like, well, well, you have more of it. But, well, you're entitled to complain about it. If you really want to complain about it, go right ahead. Right. I, that, that's the point I was making. You can choose whatever emotional response you want to make. If that's the one you want to make, go for it. The question I would ask myself is, is that really what I want? I, I, I ask myself that question many times, and each time I come up with, no, I really don't want to live there. 
And and this is where I think law of attraction teaching is actually helpful. Um, we we take a lot of our cues in that field from Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, uh, channeling the the words of Abraham. And the the big message, the big takeaway I get from any of the Abraham sessions is because we get to choose, we get to vibrate where we want to vibrate, to use their phrase, because we get to experience whatever we want to experience, we're in control. And really, I mean, you asked how many emotions people say there's a limited number of some other people. There, there are as many as you want to say that there are. Abraham says there are two. You feel good or you feel bad. You know, so it just depends on how you decide to look at it. But the thing I love about their way of approaching it is, if you're feeling good and you want to keep feeling good, go ahead. If you feel bad and you want to keep feeling bad, go ahead. If you're feeling bad and you want to feel good, change your focus. But in all three cases, you get to decide. Right. It's not imposed upon you. I think that's where the real traps happen, where we feel like and think like, I have all these things going on that I don't like, that I have these negative emotions about, and I can't do anything about them. You're right. You're right. Because I'm choosing to feel anxious. Yeah. Because what's going to be is going to be. Right. You're right. I, I remembered when uh, I first realized that and said, man, for me, it was after college, Walt. You know, when a breakup, I'm rolling around on the floor in a bathrobe with Boone's Farm, smoking cigarettes, you know, <laughs> got dumped. I don't even think the guy knew we were dating. My heart was absolutely <laughs> broken. Yeah, you know, none of it's been there, no. <laughs> and, oh, I mean, right, and I'm just wallowing. They're throw, my roommates are throwing food into the room at me. Oh, you know, geez. he's got to eat. He's got to eat. <laughs> uh, and, and I am just wallowing in it. I, I mean, just, you know, and then I remember I saw a book <laughs> Um, and I apologize if this is elementary compared to most of your listeners, but I saw this book, The, the Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. I was like, I don't even know where book. I got it. Stephen I, Covey, I yeah. Where, no, I mean, if my whole uh, what approach to this is elementary. But I saw the book. I was like, who gave me that? I don't know what made me pick it up. I don't know what made me read it. And I looked at that place in it where it just basically said, you know, life is 1% what happens, 99% how you react to it. Yeah. Had never heard that before. Yeah. Well, and if I had heard it, it didn't sink in. And I remember I stopped crying and I went, (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute. I went, wait a minute. So I don't have to, if I cry anymore, it's because I'm choosing to. Yeah. And I know y'all are probably like, duh. But I have to believe there are a lot of people like me who who still haven't come to that realization that, wait oh, a yeah. minute, this next moment's on me. And I remember I just stopped crying. I was like, oh. Well, well it's I a bit of a shock. I don't want to be. It was a shock. I was like, wait, I don't want to be sad. This hurts. So I'm not going to. And I know it's easier. That's a breakup. Some people are dealing with some pretty heavy things right now. And I, Absolutely. I don't want minim- yeah. to minimize that. But it, But it was like. Oh my gosh. Now I don't always get it right. Well, neither do we. Like Let's be problem. perfectly honest. I mean, we all practice, people who listen to this podcast, I know yeah. many of them practice it. I know I practice it. I'm pretty sure Sam practices it. Do you get it right every time, Sam? I don't. No, no. not really. Violent error problem. Yeah. I mean, we're human beings. We make mistakes. We screw up and we say, okay, try again. And it's yeah. easier probably like, like the fellow that I, that said, I don't have, have those feelings anymore. Because I'm in joy and I'm like, what? What everybody had, you know, what he's saying is his process, he's worked on it to a degree where it is easier and quicker yes. for him to let it roll off. And like you said, make a, de- make a decision. 
Yeah. What he's learned how to do is to take a situation that previously he would have chosen, actually probably would have by default felt sad, and now he sees it differently and he mm-hmm. thinks about it differently. And so it doesn't have the same emotional stuff attached to it for him. For him, he starts finding, you know, one of the great skills is, is learning how to be okay with living in a world of contrast. And it, it is a big, big challenge to encounter something that you really, really, really don't like that really feels nasty or sad or angry or whatever and to appreciate it. That, that's a challenge. That's a you're major kidding. challenge. That's the world we're living in. That's yeah. a, you're right. That is a hard, well, and you also a minute ago, we were saying this bad feeling. It's not always bad to feel these things. You know, it, it, I think sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. I've talked myself into a Well, no, I, th- I, I think you're you onto something that? here. I think you're onto something here because we, we, we have a tendency to label it, don't we? We say, this we is good, this is bad, or naughty it's feeling. Bad. We're weak if we feel this way. Yeah. Now, not all of you, but some of us, we're weak if we feel. This is not a good feeling to have. We shouldn't feel this. But, it, but it, that's... Our feelings, it's part of who we are, you know, is to they certainly are. have a feeling. I, I actually like to change the way I use the words, and this has helped me tremendously. Yeah, I, yeah. I try not to talk in terms of good feelings or bad feelings anymore. I mean, sometimes I'm in a conversation yeah. that comes up, so yeah. I just let it go. Yeah. But for myself, I try to think in terms of desired feelings and undesired feelings. Okay. That's feelings I like word. and feelings I don't like. In other words, I try not to apply judgmentalism to it. Okay. I discern I between that. what I don't like and what I like. I just don't say naughty, naughty, good, good. Right. Right. What about feelings that one, one thing that I like to say to myself is that serve me. Yeah, sure. Or it's the same thing. Serve me. Is that kind of the same thing? Same thing. thing. That, Absolutely. That makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it empowers you. Yeah. Right. Is. Because now that's an example of taking control of your own decision making about how you're going to respond to something. Right. Right. Boy, it is, boy, is uh, that powerful. It's easier said than done. <laughs> it it's takes practice. Said than done. I, I, yeah. I, uh, you're, you know, there are some people that have really been, we've been hanging on to things that we were told as children yes. that get buried. Um, and I know I'm, as they say, where I come from preaching to the choir on this one, but <laughs> I, I was just talking with this with people in my audience from the theater show with these things, if they, that they've just been carrying around their whole lives that are. Well, you know why you preach, preach to the choir, right? You preach to the choir because you want them to sing. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. Okay. Even our cliches. I mean, we, we got to take all of the judgmentalism out of the cliches because yeah. the judgmentalism doesn't serve us. So find a way to laugh at it and think about it differently. And imagine, I'm going to be really selfish about this because I'm thinking about me right now, not you, but imagine, <laughs> but I'm thinking, oh, wow, I could set the world on fire if some of these last pieces that judge myself are released. What I could do, I, you know, I told my well, husband. Well, actually, you, you do. What you, the, do thing to, the thing I learned to understand is you're setting your world on fire. Okay. okay. And when you set your world on fire, your world becomes an example for other people's worlds. I don't know if it was an age thing, if it was a pandemic thing, if what kind of thing was it? But I remember I told my husband this summer, I said, you know what? I said, I'm 50. Okay, forget how old I am. I'm either 53, 54, 55. Hey, I just I turned 65, you. so you're safe. I think he told me, and they're just numbers <laughs> to me, but I was like, I am 50-something years old right now. And it ends here. And he's like, what, what? <laughs> and I was like, because I'm kind of dramatic. I'm always <laughs> 
But I'm like, it ends here. No more. I'm going to throw my arms out and I'm going to dance my way through the rest of my life. Love it. I am not going to second guess what I do. Uh oh, screen freeze. Oh, because I was moving too much. No, 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 no. It wasn't you. She, she. I don't know if she's on. Oh, here oh. we go. We got motion again. Uh oh, did I freeze? Yeah, I froze oh. up for a second there. I think we're good now. Okay. That's okay. So, <laughs> so whatever you said the last minute, can you try to repeat that? Well, all I said was I just made the conscious decision that I'm going to leave the critical self. I'm not going to second guess everything I do because I need to, I need to dance and enjoy the dance and I'm not enjoying the dance as fully. Now I am to, to a big degree, but there's remaining pieces. And I told my husband, I was like, this clock is ticking. And if I'm not going to live my happiest self now, I'm never going to do it. So it's time to really, and I, it feels so free. Now, if people look at me, they're like, oh, my God, you get freer than this. But it's it's, it's letting my art fly. It's wearing what I want to wear. It's just being deliciously unapologetic yeah. about how I bring myself to the world. And I believe that's contagious. So it I is. think people are listening right now oh, yeah. who are like, you know what? Me too. I think that's why we had so many people after the past year quit their jobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I have heard so many people say, you know what? I just decided I don't need this anymore. I right. don't need my Starbucks. I don't need my this. I don't need my, I don't need this job. I'm going to go out here. I mean, I can, we saw a great, what are they calling it? The great resignation. I, I right. don't really have an explanation, but I know a lot of people that just said that thought like I did and went, you know what? Life is short. This is Abraham Hicks teaching again. I'm going to go back to it. Okay. Okay. You, you have to know what it is you don't want before you can know what you do want. And that's exactly what we're describing here. We are describing a collection of people who collectively, individually, but as a collective also, they decide, I don't want this thing anymore. I now understand very clearly that this job I've been doing for this company under these circumstances is what I don't like. I want what I like instead. That's the great resignation. And what a what a beautiful heaping dose of courage, right? <laughs> it is. You know, I met a guy's Uber driver, and he was like, "You know what? I just decided I don't want to do that anymore. Quit my job, and I'm just going to drive this car and talk to people, and I'll figure it out." And I was like, oh, "Yay!" And, and I love that because of a couple things. First of all. One of the things that Abraham teaches, I, I'm gonna, I haven't talked about Abraham in a long time. All of a sudden, I'm talking about him here. Uh, but one of the things they teach is be clear about what it is that you want. And the reason that's so important is almost none of us are clear about what we want in life, which is kind of odd because as, as uh, the, the secret dare to dream pointed out, how can you get what you want? How can you ask for what you want if you don't know what it is? It, it's impossible to ask for something if you don't know what it is. Or, or measure yourself for not getting what you never defined in the first place. For not yeah, that's really rough. There. And, yeah. and then you're like, well, well, what was there? You don't even know what, what you wanted. You know, though, Walt, there are, there are quite a few people, maybe in a, from a certain generation, I don't know, who they were never even taught to ask themselves that or to want that or to, you, you know, who were, we're just buried under a sense of duty. 
Well, I, I mean, I grew up in, in that kind of generation, and yeah. I, I, what I've also come to realize is that my parents weren't taught it either, and neither yeah. were their parents yeah. or their yeah. parents. What, what, yeah. what actually has to happen here is that people, somewhere along the line, people have to decide consciously, like you made the decision, consciously yeah. deciding, I'm going to change the way I'm thinking about my life, I'm going to change my, my celebratory stance, I'm going to change all that stuff. And in doing that, you become the example that teaches. It's not like we weren't taught. We didn't have an example. Yeah, yeah. I look back at my own family when I was growing up, you know, my extended family, there was there wasn't a single happy person in the group. There wasn't one. I mean, it's not like they were all miserable, but the closest one I can think of is my dad who was such a gregarious person that he smiled more than all the rest did. But most of the time I can't say he was honestly a happy happy guy. He's just happier than the rest of them. And there was a joy in the misery. It kind of, yeah. You know, almost like a it, that was your accomplishment. You know, right. you, 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 I know which exactly what you mean. Yeah. I know so, it, so exactly. if we had the example, if we have the example of somebody showing us, here's how one person lives who is just being their authentic self and they're feeling what they feel and they're not scared of being unhappy and they're reaching out joyously for feeling joyful and they're just opening it up and living it to the fullest. You don't need to be taught it anymore. It's right. You, it's in front of you. You can't even avoid it. <laughs> it's you know, it's completely unavoidable. You bring up a good point because I, I would often in the past, or still some, not worry, but think too much about my words on the stage. Oh, yeah. And people would say, you're, you up there doing what you're doing is proof and evidence of the message you're giving them. You're giving them permission to be who they are. And the fact that you're up there doing that yes. is the proof. And I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yes. <laughs> you know, they're getting permission just by watching you. Right. I don't know. Live your best life. Take the risks. Jump out there and do these things that are scary. Um, and, and I hope my, I do hope my son picks up on that and that that's now ingrained in him to see, you know, cause he had a mom that, yeah. that. Well, it, one of the cool things that I've learned, I've learned so many things from co-hosts, from guests, from Sam, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, Sam is an outstanding pianist. He, every once in a while, he gives us these little improv things, but, uh, yeah, I picked up so much stuff from all, all these people who've been on the show. And the one theme that keeps coming up over and over again is how energy entrains unto itself, which means that when you energetically express yourself the way you were just talking about, when anybody just energetically expresses themselves that way, the energy entrains to itself. So it, it carries on from one person to the next without them necessarily even knowing that they're receiving it. And without it even necessarily being the person you have in mind for it, energy continues. It's like, it's like an endless signal that just keeps going and going and going. So whether or not in this particular instance, your son gets a signal almost doesn't even matter because even if he doesn't get it, there were 25 other people who got it. So what does it mean, Walt, when somebody said to me years ago, and I never understood it, that I was vibrating at a yes. very high level on stage. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's legal where I go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, 
did that mean? I've never I, really that understood. phrase always confused me too. It took it took me years to learn what that was is about. Is it a positive? Is it's it a very positive. positive. Okay. Yes. Okay. What is it? I should have googled it, but I forgot. Now you're bringing here's it back the, up. Here's the easiest way I can think of to explain it. Everything vibrates, and I don't mean just spiritually. I mean physically. You, you can subject anything to like a sound wave or whatever, and you can detect vibration on it. Some things just vibrate on their own. Living organisms all vibrate. I mean, the vibration just goes on. And when we talk about something that's high vibration versus low vibration, the easiest way to understand is high vibration feels good. Low vibration feels bad. So any of the high vibration stuff is the stuff that feels good. So when you're on stage and high vibrating, as they're saying, it means you're on, you're excited, you're turned on, you're alive, you're joy- dancing with joy, you're feeling wonderful, you're feeling great, and you're transmitting that joy to everybody else. That's high vibration. Oh, that's Whereas crazy. if you're feeling depressed and you're sad and you're angry, you want to curl up and you're just in a terrible place, that's low vibration. Okay. Gosh, and those are the extremes, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. But Thank that's all it is. explaining it. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things that uh, you kind of wish Abraham had been a little bit clearer about. You know, they, they were trying very hard to work through Esther, who's basically receiving these signals and trying to turn them into English for us, and that was the way it comes out. But, it, yeah, I kind of wish they had clarified that. What were you saying, Sam? I'm sorry, I cut you off. I was just going to also add that it makes sense that you would be in a high vibration when you're up there doing what you are meant to be doing, enjoy doing, and sharing your message. So it's proof that you're doing the right thing, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And plus, if you're having fun at it, there's another good clue. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I'm really loving having Sam on the show on Tuesdays. He, he doesn't say a whole lot, but man, he, he's like, you know how um, they, they have uh, uh, people on the stage now uh, for the deaf who are signing? Sam's doing visual signs for anybody. This, this, this is for the emotionally deaf. Sam <laughs> feeds you love with his face. Right. Sam, you're the type that I love to see on a stage. Either it's the big laugh I want, the, the oh, 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 you know, or the one who's just feeding you on the face affirmation that yes, yes, yes. So I, I get that. Yeah. It, it's, for, uh, for those who remember, he he's the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson. There we go. <laughs> That's exactly what Ed McMahon, he, Ed McMahon's job was to sit on stage and laugh at anything that Johnny said. And he did it beautifully. <laughs> He had no other role. That was it. That was his entire role. Laugh at what Johnny does. <laughs> hey, Sam, random note about you being a pianist. I was also a pianist and was sort of, uh, uh, it was sort of supposed to be the plan was that I was supposed to become a concert pianist. I did not like playing for people. I was extremely shy. I'm still consider myself an introvert. Um, I didn't fall in love with the music. It was very regimented. It was, you know, concertos and metronomes and people say if I had come from a different direction. But, and maybe you'll understand this, I don't know what your journey is, that has impacted my storytelling. I will have people ask me, are you a musician by chance? And I'm like, well, I guess it's still in me somewhere. I don't really do it much because I see the words and stories as music and as notes and the timing and the pauses and the, the, the everything to me feels like music. And I, I think that that background fed into my writing and my storytelling. Uh, do you do any kind of storytelling and have you found that? I know this is random, but I just was curious. Not as much as I feel like I could or would like to, but I have, like, when I do any sort of, like, speaking in front of people or anything, I think my music background definitely helps like that. If that's think of it like a performance. Yeah, yeah. There's almost a melody in a story, uh, 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 and a speech, and a, 
a flow and a high, you know, you almost can not work an audience, but, it, but, it, but, it, but, but as a musician plays your instrument, I, I'm not putting words to it and I'll be quiet, but, but there's something <laughs> about that that's very similar to when I would play. Uh, you can take people on a journey through the words emotionally, just like through uh, music. Anyway, uh, I'll leave that. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. In fact, um, okay. uh, Sam knows I, I I picked up the piano again this year after okay. not playing for about fifty years. Okay. I got a little electric keyboard, and I've, I've been playing around with it. And I, I'm not playing it so that I can perform it for anybody else. I'm playing it for me. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't really care what anybody else thinks of any of the tunes I'm playing. I, I'm not uh, at the stage where I, I'm trying to do any improvising. Sam is like the improv king. All he does is just, it just flows out of his fingers. Oh, wow. But, wow. but I, I, I take like old songs that nobody ever thinks about anymore. And I try to teach myself to play them and then I can play them and I feel good about it. And that's my whole purpose. Just can I express what I like to feel about these old songs that I used to like very much that most people don't even care about, but I care about. And can I feel them? And every time that I play them even halfway good, I feel it. And I love it. it it's, it's feeling therapy, I think, just well, to be I, able to play like that. I got an electric keyboard again, too, because I okay. thought, well, I thought I was being called to bring the music back. <laughs> I didn't do. But I like you, Walt. My whole life with my relationship with music, my best joy with it was sitting in my apartment as a single you know, a young mm-hmm. single woman with my upright, old upright piano. I would, <laughs> don't ask me how. I can't believe I'm admitting this out loud. I don't smoke anymore. But I used to smoke and drink while I played my, at my own piano <laughs> in my apartment. But I would play for hours. And and it was, I would, I loved musicals and show tunes and, and you know, and I would play things the way I wanted to play them. And yeah. I would just, you're right. There was no, nobody to hear them. No sense of am I doing it right or wrong, but that joy. And, and I wonder how many people are missing that in their lives right now that aren't doing things because they don't, they're not sensible or they won't be good enough. I, I was at a retreat one time and a lady came up to me and I had spoke, I spoke there and she said, you know, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. And I said, what, what do you mean? And she said, I'm in my 60s. My children are grown. My, I don't have a husband in the picture anymore. She's like, I, everything was living through my, my children. She's like, I don't know what to do. She goes, I don't need money. I don't need a job. What do I do? And she was looking at me like, what do I do? And I said, well, I don't, I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> this is above my pay grade. I don't know. <laughs> but I said, what do you want to do? Yes. And she looked around. Like making sure nobody heard. And she said, I think I want to be a mom. And I went, a mom like a, you know, (laughs) mom. And she said, yes, I've always wanted to to learn how to do that. And I said, well, why don't you? And she said, oh, my children will think I'm crazy. And I'm like, so? And she's like, good. I said, she said, I don't, I, I don't know who will teach me. And I'm like, well, I'm a storyteller. I got friends who are moms and if, or, you know, and clowns and whatever, I can get you a mom. And I was like, I can bring one, get one in. We'll have a class. I'll go take it with you. She goes, but I don't know if I could, it would be good enough. I'm like, good enough for what? She's like, well, well, I don't know if anybody would pay me. I'm like, they may not. And I said, I tell you what, let's go set up a class. You reach out, you know, we, we'll do it together if you want to do this. You know, and she never reached out and I don't know what she did, but I think there's, well, I like to think 
that she found her way to, to becoming a mom or something. But the point is, I think there are there are people out there probably listening right now who are one step who don't know the joy of. I don't even know how to put words to it. So I'm going to let you jump in here. You know, of that thing they do for no reason, except that it brings them joy. What you're really talking about is giving yourself permission to be joyful. Yeah. There, she was unwilling to give herself that permission because through all of her life, she had been taught, don't do that. Yeah. Not deliberately, not like somebody was saying, you will not do that. It was just more by example. Everybody's life the way that, that people believe that they should live their lives and the, the examples they provided did not include that element of just going for what you like, what feels good to you. So you, I agree with you. I think that's actually the skill that is being learned by a significant proportion of the population today, learning to let go and say, I want to go after what I love. First, I have to figure out what that darn thing is. Mm-hmm. It may take me a while. And then... Even when I think I may have found it, I still may not actually have found it, but it's the first thing I found, so I'm going to try it anyway just to see what happens. And if I don't like it, I'll go on to something else. But that's the exercise right there, just doing that bit. And there's going to be a lot of people, like you described, who are going to just shy away from doing it and just not do it. But there are going to be other people who will do it. And the ones who do it are the ones who are breaking through that glass ceiling or whatever you want to call it. They're the ones who are breaking through and saying, Wow, I'm going to give it a shot. I, I, I was really t- taken by, by what she said. On the one hand, she says, well, I, I don't need to do it for the money. And on the other hand, well, will anybody pay me for it? Well, I thought you didn't care about the money. See, she we have this orientation going on there. She was looking for a sensible reason to do yeah, something trying to that, justify that it. did not make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what she's, she was trying to break through. I don't know if she, I hope she did eventually break through, but that's, that's what she was working on breaking through the expectation that I have to make it fit the norms. Otherwise I can't have the feeling. And, and what I can't, and I don't know if it was right or wrong. I was just a person in her moment, you know, trying to mm-hmm. just be there, but, but this, so what? And, and, and that's what that I often beautiful question. when they come to me today. Well, mm-hmm. what if my speech isn't good? And what if nobody buys it? Then they don't. It might not be good enough for what, you know, what, 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 so it's probably not the most positive thing to do. It is actually, I work it through to the, yeah, you might not, you might be the worst thing they've ever seen. You might not ever get booked again. You might get up there and fall on your rear end and guess what? Are you going to do it anyway? I I actually visualize the worst happening and I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. It's almost like they say you should. Well, and now I'm, oh, now I'm going to really show how much I don't know about. <laughs> but you know, they say you should visualize success and walk onto the field as if you've already won the game. And I do the exact opposite, and in a sense, face the rejection and the fear, and I face it all, which is probably brutal for myself beforehand. And I look at it, and I go, "Yeah, that might happen." Yeah, nobody may watch it. Yeah, you're creating a podcast about a group of characters in a town called Pride's Hollow, and they found a dead body in the sanctuary, and you're not writing articles about seriousness anymore. You're going to have fun with your art, and there may be only two people in the world that are going to care about that, Mm -hmm. and you're going to do it anyway. I I, I have 
Actually, I have to interrupt in the, moment, yeah. in the middle of doing the podcast because my poor wife got herself locked out of the house, so I have to go oh, let her no. in. But while I'm going to go let her in, I'm going to turn it over to you to tell people more about how do they reach yeah. out to Kelly Swanson. This is the perfect time to do it. You tell them about that. <laughs> I'll go get her in the house. We'll be good. So I'll be back in Thank a minute. You tell wife. people about that. Yes, for giving me a plug. So, yeah. Um, okay. Oh, I love it. I mean, do you oh. not love the moment, Sam, when he pulls his green screen aside and his Very gym shorts and his bare you're already back. I didn't even give a plug yet. Walt's already back. I didn't do my. I'm laughing about you pulling your green screen back and your gym shorts and your bare feet. Eyes peel back the curtain. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> no, no, no. The man behind the curtain. So I, I, boy, that was fast. I did not do what you said. Hey, if anybody wants to find me. That would be beautiful. Go go Google Kelly Swanson speaker. Go Google Kelly Swanson speaker, and it'll lead you to my website, which will lead you to the things I have going on. So, okay, we let's get back to what you want to do, Walt. And, we, and we'll include a link, by the way, in the show notes, sure. so that makes it easy sure. way for people to come there. But, yeah, yeah. We, want, we wanted to make sure we got that in there before we ran out of time. That, that's okay, important. okay. But I, I kind of felt bad because I knew Louise needed to get back in the house, but I also wanted to hear what you, because what you were saying was fabulous. I was loving what you were saying. It, it's such an important message. Oh, I was saying that and I feel like I'm doing it the opposite because I face the fears that I have and then I decide to jump anyway. I'm like, exactly. yeah, you're right. None of this may work, but this is the art you're going to give to the world right now because it is in you and it has to come out. And artists don't create their, I see my work. Yes, I'm serving, but I see it as an as an art, and I'm an artist in my studio. And we don't create for what somebody's going to pay us for it. We don't create, not to tell you if that's what you do, that's fine, even right. though I do get paid for it. <laughs> I create because this is the art that is in me that needs yes. to come out. This is the way I'm choosing to, ex- to, to leave my footprint in this world. And so anyway, so it's kind of, they say visualize success and I'm over here going, nah, nobody's going to do it. Nobody may want it, may. But I think I need to work on that, Walt, and we don't have time today. It's probably for another session because I don't think that's always serves me in the best way to go into a project looking at the fact that nobody may want it. I don't think that's, that's not a, that's not fair to myself either. It's um, not, no. But I can give you, I can give you at least one clue how to get around that. Okay, please. This, do. this is going to come from uh, one of my co-hosts for many years, who Sam knows well, Cindy Chavez. Cindy uh, once shared this idea with me, and I, I've loved it ever since. And it, it, the way she was, the, the context she was explaining it in was in the context of learning how to draw. So that's the way I always tell it. There are so many people, including myself, who are absolutely terrible at drawing. But any of us can become great at drawing. You know how we do it? We get a pad of paper with 365 pages, and every single day we try to draw something on a new page. And the first day it looks terrible, and the second day it looks terrible, and the third day it looks terrible, and the fourth day it looks terrible, and then the fifth day it looks terrible, but there's one little tiny bit that was good. And then the sixth day it looks terrible, but that one part that was good got a little bit better. And then by the end of 365 days, you know how to draw because you kept doing it every single day. The only thing that was holding you back was you didn't do it every single day. Mm-hmm. That was it. So do it every single day and you'll get better at it. And don't worry about it because it's not actually, it's not possible for a human being to do something every day and not get better at it. The yeah. only thing that holds us back is we don't do it every day. Yeah. And I'm sitting at a point where I now have a wall full of those filled books. 
and it's about time I stopped having that. You, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit like enough. All, well, and that is the point I got to enough already. Yeah. If you're if you're going to draw and fill up this many tablets and you're still not going to be pleased, this is on you. It's time to, you know, it is well, it's a message to, to yourself proud of your art. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a message to yourself. Like, aren't yes. you being just a little bit tough on yourself? Right. Right. Because that's really what we were talking about at the beginning, how rough we are on ourselves. We are world champions. We, God, if it were a 15-round fight, we, the fight would have been stopped at the third round. Yeah. I mean, it's just terrible what we do to ourselves. And a, and a thousand people can tell me I'm great. And then that one says, you sound like a dying cat. And which one do I hang on to? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're working on. We're working yeah. on letting go of the dying cat and celebrating the yeah. champion. I'm going to sing anyway. I don't care if you think I sound like a dying cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you always just create a new opera, The Dying right? Cat. <laughs> it's all in the way we decide to look at it. Kelly Swanson, this has been wonderful. This I has been agree. a wonderful conversation. Thank you I for joining agree. us. I agree. Yeah. Y'all are neat people. Well, like, it, it, it takes one to know one. I mean, it, seriously, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your perspectives. Thank you for, for telling your stories. Yes. Very, very much valued. And thank you all for podcast listeners everywhere. Because without you guys, hey, we wouldn't have a podcast. You guys make it all worthwhile. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.